Welcome to Locally Grown, a podcast about business, strategy, mindset, and everything in between to get you to your biggest triumphs and get you through your biggest challenges. If you're a brick and mortar business owner who is looking to scale to six, seven, or even eight figures, then this is the show for you. Each week, you'll discover tips to take your business from struggling to profitable, all from my own real life experiences being an entrepreneur, coach, and business consultant. This is the podcast for helping you build a business today so you can also build a legacy for the next generation. I'm your host, Teresa Cantley. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locally Grown Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Cantley, and we're going to talk about something today that I don't normally talk about, but I've had a lot of people ask me questions about it. And truth be told, I actually went through an experience with this myself with the first business that I built um, when we first started. So I wanted to talk a little bit about it. And before we talk about it, and it has to do with everything that happened with the Silicon Bank um, fallout, and I know since then there's been several other banks that there's been issues with, and I wanted to talk about it because people have asked me, Teresa, what can you do? What is this about? How does this happen? You know, yada, yada. And before I talk about this, I want you to understand, I'm going to make a quick disclaimer here, is this is just my own insight my own insight, my own story, what I went through. Um, and this is back in 2009 that we went through this with a bank. And again, this is just my own insights and I'm putting it in a way that it's not super complex. I mean, if you read some of the articles or you talk to somebody who is an investment person and you know they would probably give this to you in a lot more technical breakdown. This is just me. I'm not an investor. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not any of that. This is me, a business consultant, what I have been through myself and what I'm doing or what I've done to make sure that I'm protected in my business and just possibly what you can do in yours. Okay. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because again, when it happened and it was funny because I was out in California for a business trip. And every day I would go to see my mentor and she was in this big office. And um, it was one of those offices where they're like, there's a bunch of different executive suites there and they have two receptionists. It was just a beautiful office. And they had this huge TV that they would always have CNBC or CNN or, you know, whatever playing and to get the news and stuff. And they had tea and I would always go up and I would hang out with my peeps and make tea and watch this. And it was just so happened that the one day this guy was there who is a um, an investment person. He was talking about the crypto stuff that was going on. And he started talking about, because there was this big hearing on with the guy that's in charge of things for the feds for raising interest rates and raising rates and you know whatever. And we were sitting there watching it. I was half paying attention. And the guy started explaining that what was going on was basically everybody forecasted that it was going to raise 0.25 and 
he ended up raising it 0.5. And he was just like, holy crap, this is going to like really make things difficult for people. And nobody was anticipating this and, you know, yada, yada. The next week was when all this stuff happened with Silicon Bank. And I mean, I was listening to what he was saying and I'm like, wow, like this is really going to impact businesses and this is going to impact stuff across the board. And sure enough, it did. I know I had a couple friends who their companies that they worked for, and while their corporate companies are not super big corporate companies, they weren't expecting layoffs. And all of a sudden they were going through layoffs and it was like a shocker to everybody. And started hearing more and more about different businesses, laying people off. And then also at the same time, I came back from California and my big client who I am his fractional COO, he gets this email from their one big software company talking about how Silicon Bank, that they had their money there. And if you were paying them through XYZ, like you needed to stop because, you know, they were going through this whole thing with trying to get their money. And he says to me, he says, do you think this is, this is true? Because he hadn't been following it because he didn't have his money in that Silicon Valley bank. So he was like, do you think this is true? Or do you think this is scammy? And I was like, no, this is true. This is like legit. So after that, a whole bunch of people kept asking me, well, what's your take on this? What's your take on this? And I was like, well, okay, I guess maybe I should talk about this. And again, I am not an investments person. I'm not a CPA. I'm just a business consultant and I'm a business owner and I'm just going to give it to you like in layman's terms as far as what happened and also tell you a little bit about my experience because my business partner and I went through this back in 2009 with the first bank that we ever had and what we ended up doing. So the first thing is, is that with this bank and with some of the other banks that are having issues, um, their investments, basically all the money that you put into the bank, the bank then has this whole thing that they go through to invest that money that gets deposited into the bank to help the money to grow. Well, the investments that they had weren't diversified enough. And the investments that they did have, they weren't, I don't think they were diversified at all, but the investments that they did have had low yield returns. So when the feds ended up doing that increase in the rates, as I was talking about when I was in California, to more than what everybody was predicting and, you know, all in this interest of trying to slow inflation and, you know, whatever, they hiked up the interest rates. And for other things, the interest rates, again, were low um, and it caused issues. So with this particular bank, you know, people got were getting worried with what was happening and, you know, what was happening with the stock market, what was happening with investments. And so what did they do? They wanted to take out their money. They wanted to withdraw their money. And this bank, since they didn't have diversified enough investments in the deposits that were coming into the bank and the investments that they had were super low yield returns, they didn't have enough money to cover the withdrawals that people were making because a lot of the people that had their money in this bank were, there were a lot of startups, a lot of tech startups, um, and those people had more than $250,000 in deposits. Because if you remember, you know, during COVID, a lot of tech stuff ended up 
growing exponentially because people were now at home and there were all kinds of startups that were happening, whether it be investment or startups with like the whole crypto thing. And then again, startups with tech. So there was a lot of these tech startups that had a lot of investments and they were making a lot of deposits into the bank. Again, this whole thing happened with the interest rates raising and other things happening um, and all in the interest of trying to slow the rate of inflation, help with other things. I personally don't think it's helping, but that's what ended up happening. So it was like this perfect storm of stuff. And I know one of the big issues was with Etsy, you know, with having be, they were part of this bank and people who artisans who were on Etsy weren't getting their money paid out And it was, it caused this huge issue. And for a small business, if you're not, especially, you know, if you're an artisan business, um, if you're not able to get your money out, I mean, talk about killing your business um, because we rely on that. When you're first starting up, I mean, you rely on that money coming in, you rely on getting paid you know, cause you're, and, and a lot of, a lot of artisans on Etsy, they don't do it full time. It's a part-time thing. And, you know, it just kills your, it just would kill the business. So my experience with this firsthand, and again, that is my analysis of what I've read, what I know, what happened in a way that, I mean, it's not super technical, but That's kind of what led to, it's just this chain of events that led to this whole thing happening with, you know, all these fallouts with these banks. So back in 2009, my business partner and I had our money in this startup, this bank that was a small bank. It was a locally owned bank. And a lot of times people say, get, you know, put your money in a locally owned bank. They're able to work with you more. They're able to get you, you know, loans faster. They understand, you know, small businesses growing, you know, the whole thing. So we were like, okay. And not that that's not a bad thing. And I'm going to explain that in a minute, but that, so she was on the school board. They had a relationship with this bank. So we put our money in the bank. About six to nine months later, all of a sudden, the same exact thing happens with this bank. And we get a letter and we're like, holy crap, we're not going to be able to get our money out. And it wasn't like we had a whole lot in there. I think at the time, because we were taking, we were still working full time, we were taking a portion of our paycheck and putting it into the bank so that we could fund our business until we got it to the point where we didn't need to do that anymore and we didn't need to take out any loans. But at the same time, we didn't have access to our money. We didn't have access to our money and we weren't sure what we were going to get out of it because, again, there was no money to pay out because they had the same issue where they had people who were putting in big sums of money because it was a local bank and, you know, the whole thing. And withdrawing their money and there wasn't enough deposits to cover the money that was being withdrawn. And the bank ended up, I think the government did take it over. And I don't remember if somebody else ended up saving them or if the government took it over and then that was it. But we ended up losing a portion of our money. I think we ended up getting I want to say it was like 50%. I don't remember exactly. I tried to block it from my brain. Um, But we didn't get all of our money. We got a portion of it. And at that time, as I said, along with 
you know, people who experienced this themselves with the whole Silicon Valley Bank, it was like, I mean, it just brings everything to a grinding halt. I mean, talk about, again, you know, taking a business and completely tanking it because they don't have access to their money. So what we ended up doing was we ended up finding another local bank that was FDIC insured, was insured by the government, and we got our money into that bank, which is one of the things that you want to make sure that whatever bank you pick, um, I know a lot of people like to go with those small banks. A lot of people like to go with these, you know, boutique banks and, you know, which is great, but make sure that they are insured by the government. Okay. So make sure that your money is insured, which is key. Um, the second thing is, is that one of the things that I've done myself is, you know, and if you have more than $250,000 in deposits, like if you have more than $250,000 sitting in your bank, God bless you. Okay. Cause I don't have that sitting in my bank, but if you do, one of the things that I would recommend is to move that money out, some of it out, move that money out into an investment account. It could be a money market account. It could be a high yield savings account. It could be a, you know, whatever makes the most sense. And that could be something that if you do have a financial advisor or a CPA, you could talk to them about what makes the most sense. My mentor, which I'm so blessed for this, his name's Mel Abraham. He is a CPA. So whenever I have questions about this kind of stuff, I always go to him. So one of the things, again, that I would say is move that money into a money market account that is insured. So if you have your money in a local bank account and it's all sitting in a checking account, move it into a money market, move it into some kind of an investment account that is liquid that you can then get, number one, it's insured. Number two, it's liquid. So you have access to it. You can get access to it quickly, okay? Should you need it. Because then that becomes your emergency account. And that's exactly what I've done. So I actually just saw that American Express has a business checking account that is interest-bearing and that's connected with a bunch of different things. It's insured. I mean, that's one way to go. Um, What some of these, as I said, the example that my client got the letter from a company that had their money in Silicon Valley Bank, they ended up going with Wells Fargo and had worked with Wells Fargo to try and get a portion of their money out of Silicon Bank and get access to it so that they could then move it over. Bottom line is diversity, is to, you know, again, we don't necessarily want to have all of our money in one account, but to also take, if you have a large sum of money, put it into an account that's going to work for you. Put it into an account that you have access to, but you can move it there so that it's insured, it's protected. Again, it's an investment account. And then when you need it, you can pull money out of it, okay? And having your money in an account that you can use for expenses, you can use for, you know, like regular expenses, payroll, you know, whatever that looks like, but that you're moving money out into that investment account so that becomes your emergency fund. Should you need it, it's there. It's protected. It's invested in the right things. You have access to it. You have control over it. You have control where your money is being invested. 
Um, and like I said, you can easily get to it when you need it. All right. And then you have your regular checking account where you pay your expenses out of. All right. And every week, every month, you know, whatever that looks like. And this is really where understanding the seasons in your business, understanding what your cash flow is, that you have money, you keep money in your account so that you can pay your expenses, you can pay the bills, the money comes into it, and then you can make the decision when you want to move it out of that account into some form of investment account that you have control over what's going on in there. Okay. And then also, I think one of the bigger things is, is to make sure that you have yourself set up with some good resources. Okay. You have a good CPA that can advise you on these things. Maybe you also have some kind of a financial manager, an investment manager. Okay. That can, again, advise you on these things. When you get big enough, you want to make sure, I mean, first of all, first and foremost, hands down, no matter what, you want to have a really good CPA. But as you get bigger, making sure that you have a financial person that you can talk to and you can make the decisions as far as where you should move some of this money to, to make sure that it's protected and you control the investments that are happening with that business. Okay. Like I said, it could be a money market for the business. It could be a high yield savings account for the business, but it becomes that emergency fund. And a CPA can advise you on what's going to be the best, depending on if you're an LLC, an S corp, a C corp, you know, whatever that looks like, what would be the best to do? I I mean, I don't, have that knowledge, a CPA would have that. Okay. I'm just telling you my own experience and what I've done. And then the other thing is, you know, again, once you get bigger, you can have, you know, if you have some kind of a financial advisor that probably would be tied, like if you're a bigger company and you have a 401k or a profit share, you know, whatever, making sure that you're taking the money and using it wisely. Okay. But the biggest thing is here that I've learned in my own is diversifying, making sure that I have these different accounts set up and I'm protected so that something should happen. I have other resources. All right. The one thing that you never, ever want to do as a business, and I know a lot of business owners do this um, when they're first starting out, is they have one account. They have their personal checking account, and that's what they use for their business transactions. We want to make sure that we have separate personal and business accounts so that you keep all of that stuff separate. Because there are some benefits that you end up getting coverage for when you are a business owner through your liability insurance, through some other insurance that can help you should something happen. Okay. Um, it can help you, you know, with insurance and just with being a business, there's some advantages that you have that you wouldn't necessarily have from a personal standpoint, which is why, again, you want to make sure that you have things separate. Also, if something happens with a business, you also don't want it to impact you personally. Okay. So if you haven't done so already, make sure you have a separate personal account and a separate business account. All right. But again, The things that I'm talking to you about, these are things that, you know, I have done from my own experience, what I understand and what I do now to make sure that I am covered, that I have other resources to pull from. I have things that I can do so that I have a backup plan. Okay. And, you know, first and foremost, make sure that whatever bank you pick, make sure it's insured um, by the FDIC. 
if you have more than a certain amount of deposits going into the bank, make sure that you are moving that to a place that is definitely more protected and you have control over taking your money out and you also have control over what happens with that money. Okay. And just making sure that you have control over the cash flow in your business. You understand the money that's coming in and that's going out and you have control over what you end up doing with it then. Okay. So this is my response and my answer to what happened. Um, and hopefully if you're listening to this, you are not one of those people that fell into that whole thing. Um, and if you are, I hope that you are getting the help and you have the resources that you need to rectify the situation that you have. Okay. So I have been, you know, I have been affected by this, you know, like I said, in my first business. And I think the biggest thing that this really, this really calls out for is just taking responsibility for what happens in your business, not sticking your head in the sand, but really being aware of where stuff is going, what's happening to it, um, who you pick to do things, who you align yourself with, um, and just make sure that you're making good, good, wise, knowledgeable decisions on things. Because at the end of the day, you need to take responsibility for your own stuff. So anyway, I hope you have a great rest of your week. Don't forget to sign up for, because if you want to learn more about managing your cash flow, working with the right people in your business to make the right decisions, make sure that you're joining me on April 17th, 18th, and 19th at 1 p.m. Eastern, live on LinkedIn, live on Facebook. I'm going to be conducting a workshop. We're going to be talking about all of this and more to help you be a better business owner and to help you build a healthier, better business. So make sure you join me then. All right, until next week, have a great rest of your week and I will see you and talk to you soon.